The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Number 10, Barcelona. 12th of March, 2017. Around the time I headed to Barcelona, on Matt Bodkin's recommendation, I received a call from Pancreatic Cancer UK on registration deadline day for the London Marathon. A runner had dropped out and they needed someone to take the place in April very last minute. And I jumped at the chance. And it changed the focus of the year entirely. Not just the race itself, you understand, but I had to then raise £3,000 in six weeks before I would run it. And so I said that instead of just raising £3,000 for the London Marathon, that I would run 12 marathons in 12 months for them and raise the money that way. And with London, Cakeathon, Portland and Barcelona now, I already had four marathons of the year booked or run already. Twelve marathons in twelve months, that would be my new aim. And I took to creating a race calendar that was both achievable and affordable. But first, to the race at hand. Barcelona was a joy. After Deal and Portland, I needed a little joy as well and sun and roads, and fewer laps, and fewer inbred locals stringing up mangled rabbits. And Barcelona had it all in abundance. It would be a long weekend with mad James Abrams and slightly less mad Jenny Morris, who insisted on singing and dancing in the streets of Barcelona to the Ed Sheeran song Dancing in the Streets of Barcelona on several occasions. There was Patatas Bravas by the Sackload, Chorizo and Octopus, Sangria by the Bucket, and a totally relaxed race atmosphere. The expo was superb. I've been to big and small expos in many countries, and this was probably one of the best. Unlike the multiple queuing system of Berlin, and the utter clusterfuck of Athens where people just turned up without a clue of their number, I was the only person at my desk a quick show of the confirmation email on my passport, and I had my race pack and was out enjoying the city for the rest of the day. Olé! The race began at 8.30am at Placa de Espanol to ticker tape rain and music, which is a little early if you ask me, but if the sun comes out, you don't want to be running in it. The bag drop was a joy to behold, seamless, as was everything else. The star, or my star, however, was a little bit of a bugger's muddle. I was in the grey wave and Jen and James were in a later pink wave. But as we made our way along the pens, the crowds trying to get into my wave were so large, it was obviously overcrowded. Probably with people from other pens wanting to run with their friends in this one. And so I joined the others in starting later in the pink wave. It also took about 25 minutes to get over the start line, but this could be normal, depending on the size of the race. And it, but it nullified the toilet break that I had taken back at the hotel, now over an hour beforehand. Note, there are toilets by the start, but they're a little bit away from the pens. And with the overcrowding, you wanted to get in. 
It did mean, though, as we got underway to the dulcet tones of Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballé singing, you've guessed it, that I was already thinking about the loo. This was, looking back, the first marathon I had run without a hydration pack or vest of any sort, so I was glad it was so well organised. It was getting a little hot in the morning, and one of the many things I love about this race was that there were plenty of water stops. After the first 5k, and then every two and a half kilometres thereafter, you had water and blue power aid, known disconcertingly in running circles as smurf piss, gels, bananas, oranges, and sort of like a nut and raisin trail mix, as well as two run-through showers in the latter half of the race. And so to my co-runners... I started with Jenny, who had been training well for London Marathon uh, with Reebok, and she would be off to a flyer, and being a lot more consistent than I am, would finish 25 minutes ahead of me. A kilometre 30, on one of the there and backs, I was joined by James. James had done an amazing 30 marathons the year before, and would be plodding through a lot more in 2017 too, and I already had plans to catch up with him at Brighton. I was then joined by Tony, who sidled up to me and said something along the lines of, We're travelling the same pace. Care if we stick together for a while? And we did. Tony was a little older, had run a lot of the same races that I had, and was suffering from a lack of preparation due to a couple of dodgy knees, which were pretty heavily strapped. We fell into his pace rather than mine of walking about 100 yards and then running to the next kilometre marker or water table, whichever was first. And this worked out well for the pair of us for about six kilometres, until he just couldn't run any more, and told me to, go on son, run the last 3k yourself. And that I did having taken in a route that included Sagrada Familia, where I would discover the lift to the top only takes you up, and therefore you have to walk down. And we did this the day after the marathon. Almost all of the waterfront, the New Camp football stadium, where the Spanish runners, both male and female, showed either their love or hate for Barcelona Football Club and Lionel Messi by using it as a giant toilet. And I was now on the very, very long straight back to Placa de Espanol at a comfortable pace. My plantar fasciitis had been responding well to slowing down on the treadmill in training and sleeping in the Strasbourg socks. And it was okay the whole time. Just a slight ache, more than the limp-inducing pain that I had experienced at Beachy Head and Athens. Although you must remember that this was now five months later. There was an inflatable arch a long kilometre in the distance, and I ran to it, spying the running physios who wore flags like pacers on the route helping people out. And that's when it all went a bit south. The end was a disaster zone of the nature that ordinarily requires an international response effort. The crowds were encroaching and more. 
They ran onto the course to join their mothers, fathers, brothers and sisters, whole families from grandma down to babies in pushchairs, avoided the marshals and the police, and completely fouled up the finish straight. As I turned onto it, a huge crowd of parents and runners with kids in pushchairs had pretty much shut down the race. Along with a fellow runner, I had to go around them to the perimeter, clamber over a felled advertising hoarding, and then, as we crossed the line, the race photographers were too busy photographing the mob behind us to care about actual runners. It can be best expressed in the words of H.G. Wells. This was no disciplined march. It was a stampede without order. And it was without order, and it did annoy me, as did the next bit. Once across the line, there were no medals. You had to go through channels, taking water first, and then more smurf piss. Then more channels, and then an orange, and then later a banana, before you finally picked up your medal. But thankfully, the finish line nonsense did not take the shine off what was otherwise a sterling race. One in which I wore a London A to Z vest and was cheered on by British tourists whenever I saw them sitting out in the pubs, drinking their ice-cold beer to wash down their paella and chips, asking if I had the knowledge, and then offering me an ice-cold half-pint of lager, which I truly enjoyed. Next up, the Brighton Marathon.